Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Well, it's an honor to have you here. Uh, If this is your first time here, my name is uh, James, uh, and I'm the pastor of this church And I get the uh, honor of preaching to you this Sunday about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The fact that he died and he rose again. I'd like to read a scripture for you in 1 John. It's a very well-known scripture from 1 John 4. It reads this way. Beloved, let us love one another for for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love doesn't know God. Here's why. Because God is love. Amen? I wonder if you know the depth of God's love this morning. When the Bible says God is love, it is saying God is consumed with passion for people and their well-being. So based upon that text, not only can I say that God is love, but God is love towards people. So that means that God loves people. He doesn't just love as a theory. He loves people. But I could bring it down one more and say, because of this text, I can say without a shadow of a doubt, God loves you. You are deeply loved by God. I wonder if in your life right now, you have someone that you know deeply loves you. Maybe some of you don't feel that way. But for those of you that have someone who deeply loves you, I wonder who that person is, the person that loves you, cares for you, thinks about you. I know my mama loves me. Every time I'm around her, she just wants to talk, loves to have me around. I don't call her enough. Amen. I know my mama loves me. She loves me and I feel it in a very primal way that I'm cared for. What would I do if somebody hurt my mama? Boy, it would be on, on a, in a whole nother way. Because there's something that comes out of you if... Someone hurts someone you love. But I want you to think about this. What happens when I hurt someone I love? Have you ever hurt someone that you know loves you? Doesn't it hit different in your soul when you hurt someone that you know cares for you? Someone that thinks about you? Someone that wants your benefit and your well-being? It it hits differently. And whenever we hurt someone we know loves us, we try to repair the relationship. So we say all types of stuff. There's levels. You know, we say my bad. Have you said my bad lately? The next level is my fault, my fault, my fault. That was. Then it gets a little deeper and we say, that's on me, that's on me. And you point to yourself and you do this like a bunch of times. Now, if those don't work, you got to go another level. And that's when we say, I'm sorry. 
And there's, very ver- there's variety of versions. There's I'm sorry. Then there's I'm so, so sorry. Then there's I am. And then you elongate the oh, sorry, because you feel so bad. And then the next level is a deep level. And that's when you say, I apologize. That's when you know you did it. And you can't, this is not a my bad, this is not my fault, this is not I'm sorry, this is I apologize because you know you've offended someone. When was the last time you said, please forgive me? That's really not something in our vernacular. Can you forgive me? Generally, when we have an issue with someone, if I tell you how I feel about the issue, we presume that the issue is over, or at least we hope it is. Forgiveness is much different than apology. The word forgive in the Greek is, in Greek it goes like this, aphiemi, aphiemi. And, and the word oftentimes translates to release or to remit, to remit, but in essence it means to cancel a debt. And in many ways, When you hear yourself trying to repair a relationship, notice when you say, I apologize, my bad, my fault, I'm sorry. You're saying how you feel about the situation. But when you say, can you forgive me? I need to know how you feel about the situation and I need something to be released from you in order for this to be repaired. In many ways, an apology is when the offense is at the level where I can just say something and we can move on. But forgiveness is when you know you have to give something because it hurts so deeply. You ever been out to eat with someone and you know you're, you're, you got a promotion or something, your bank account's looking nice and fresh and juicy. You get the bill and you do that thing, you get it, you go, the person does that fake payment, they go, oh, are you sure? They're like, I'll take care of it. You ever have intentions to pay, but then you got the bill and you were like, what'd you have? Did you have the um, calamari, would you? This payment is so much, we're gonna have to split the bill. And when you're asking someone to forgive, you're saying you're gonna have to pay something with me because apology wasn't enough. My bad wasn't enough. And so there's a good chance that you have not went up to anybody and said, please forgive me in a long time. But can I ask you a question? What, that's my family most likely, so (laughs) no no worries. The minute I heard bro, I was like, that's my, that's, those my people, okay. The reality is, The minute you say, forgive me, you are asking that person to release something from them. The truth is, is that in that kind of conversation, they're going to have to give something. Uh, In many ways, if you think to yourself, no, I haven't walked up to anybody and said, please forgive me. But what would it do for you if someone that hurt you came up to you and said, hey, can you forgive me? I bet, if I was a betting man, that there are people in your life 
that you, they told you, I'm sorry, but you wish the conversation went deeper. I bet there's a list of people right now that although you have moved on in relationship or maybe even not in relationship, you wish they would really talk to you about how much it hurts you. Because here's what I know about people. A lot of times people move on in relationship but never talk about how deep the offense truly was. In many ways, sometimes we get $50 apologies for $100 offenses. This is true. This is true. You have people in your life. You would love it if they said, please forgive me. So here's what I can say. There are people that would love it if you went up to them and said, please forgive me to them too. In other words, sometimes we don't display how much offense really has hit us. Sometimes we don't tell the world how much those words really still linger in my mind. Sometimes we don't talk about how much actions really hit us deeply. And so this week, we are going to talk about how the resurrection gives us power to forgive people and the power to be forgiven. And in many ways, our prayer is today that you would not only receive the forgiveness of God and understand the forgiveness of God when it comes to Jesus, but next week we're going to talk about how can we forgive others and the week after that, we're going to talk about forgiveness as a lifestyle. So here's what I'll say. To those of you that are here today and you've, it, it, coming to church is hard for you. Here's what, somebody, can somebody help my kids and just tell them? It's probably my kids. Thank you. Here's what we'll say. We'll say this. I love that you're here this Sunday. I would pray that you come back and just commit to the next two weeks of church. Just make that commitment. Like, I'm going to come back for the next two weeks. We're not asking you to come back every other week, but just remove things from your schedule that you could come back for the next two weeks, hear from God, and be able to accept a greater understanding of what forgiveness means. Amen? Amen. So we want to talk about, in many ways, today, how we, when we accept the forgiveness of God, we become more forgiving people. Jesus was understood to be the Messiah. He was understood to be a great leader. And when Jesus came on earth, everyone was waiting for a great political leader, a great teacher, and a great warrior. But one of the things they were not ready was for a compassionate person that forgave sins. And if I came up to you and said, I forgive you, the first thing you would think is, we got a problem? <laughs> and that's how it hit when Jesus started forgiving people. Because they're like, no, 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 no. I want you to be my leader. You want to talk about our relationship? You see, because God is loving, he goes great lengths to repair relationship. And that's what forgiveness is. It allows for the opportunity for relationship to happen again. So look what happens. We're going to look at several verses here. Look what happens in Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. In Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 37, one of the Pharisees, the great teachers at the time, decided that they wanted to be able to get Jesus, this great teacher, to come in and they wanted to learn from him, so they had a dinner with him. It says, 
One of the Pharisees, in verse 36, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. In verse 37, and behold, a woman of the city. I love how the Bible would be hiding stuff. We know what woman of the city means. <laughs> Who was a sinner. We know what you mean. When she learned he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster, alabaster flask of ointment. So there's two things to consider. The one, when it says woman of the city, the Bible does not clearly tell us what that means, but what we can deduce is that because she has this alabaster of very expensive oil, she was a well-paid woman who was considered a woman of the city. She was either homeless or she was a prostitute. Here he is with all these religious teachers. They're eating. That means they're just chopping it up. And all of a sudden, a woman of the city comes in. A sinner comes in. She's got her alabaster around her neck. Everyone's looking at her. And you know what they're saying? We all know you're a sinner. We, we know what you've been doing. We've seen you in the city. And here's what Jesus says to her about her. In Luke 7:47. he says, her sins, after she came and she poured out that alabaster before him, he says, her sins, now this is what I want you to hear, which are many, are forgiven. Now there's a reason why he said, which there are many. Jesus does this because she's a woman of the night. She's a woman people know her issues. She's a prostitute. She's someone that people can count her sins. And he says she's forgiven. There are people who have made so many outward failures, so many outward mistakes, so many people have seen your issues that you believe I have too many sins to even walk into this building called church. It's not because I have sins and other people don't have sins. My sins are public. So people can count them. And we often, and religious people in particular, in particularly love to count outward sins while they keep inward sins. Amen, Pastor James. <laughs> and it frustrated the Pharisees. Because it's as if Jesus was standing up for her and says, no, 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 though her sins are many, I forgive her too. Jesus courageously stands in the gap for people who have made public failures. For people who have sins that you are counting against them, he, he is able to cancel their debt too. Jesus does this for the woman who has public shame. But then, if you were to look, look in Luke chapter 5, right before this, there was somebody coming to Jesus, and he didn't have public sins. In fact, he was just looking for Jesus for help, because his life had not gone the way he wanted it to. So if you look in Luke chapter 5, verses 18 through 20, it says, Behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. 
And they were seeking to bring him. So his friends come and they lay him before Jesus and finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up to the roof and let him down in his bed through the tiles into the midst of the Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. This man had to be lowered down a roof by his friends. And he's in front of a crowd of people while Jesus is preaching and they lay him down here, and it's clearly, I am here because my legs don't work. So the first thing I want you to say is your legs are healed. That's why I'm here. I showed up today to get better legs. Why are we talking about me and you? Why are we talking about forgiveness? I didn't show up for forgiveness. I showed up for legs. But Jesus knew that your legs are your felt need, but your sins are your real need. And today, you might have come here today because your life has not gone the way that you thought it would. You're not a person who is suffering from public shame, but maybe you've had private failures or you've seen your life go in a way that you never saw it going. But I want you to know that although your needs may be many, the first thing you got to do is get your relationship right with Jesus. Forgiveness is the real need. It's oftentimes difficult for us to think of God sometimes in a relational way because he's so powerful. Because we know if I pray, I might be able to get things that I need for my life, and it's very understandable. But one of the things that God wants to do is first, before he can begin to distribute all that he can to you, and maybe some of you have felt some of the blessings in your life, and that's a wonderful thing, you know there are some people who are more intimate with Jesus than others. And the key is accepting the forgiveness of God. The Bible says in, in Romans 3 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and so when we understand sin, we understand that sin is a transgression or it's breaking a standard. We know we're not doing the right thing. We know we haven't kept the standard that our mama told us to have. We know we haven't kept the standard that we have. Because you know quietly you give advice to people that you don't keep. Talking about you a vegan on the weekends, praise God. <laughs> The glory of God, the glory of God means that I am magnifying or being able to live out the design that God has intended for me. And everyone knows that they're imperfect at that. Everyone feels the weight of that. And in some ways, sometimes we think, because I'm doing my best, God will forget the rest of my sins. Because I have been helping my mama out. I have been do, going to work all the time. I have been faithful in my relationship. I have done some good things. And so in many ways, we're like, if I do good things, some way God will repair the relationship and forget sins. Now, it's funny we do that because we know when people sin against us, we be remembering those jokers. <laughs> and so this is the imagery that David says in the Psalms. Psalm 130, verse 3, he says, If you, or O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you, so here's the contrast, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. 
Hear what David says. David says, Lord, if you keep a record of our sins, how can we even have a chance? And here's the truth. The reason why we feel better about our sin life is because we're not keeping a record of it. You ever, you ever want to diet and start tracking your food? And you'd be like, I'm going to just have a donut. And you start, you're like, oh, I can't even have this donut. Because you see all the macro and micro and the calories. And you're like, oh, I didn't know it hit like this. The details make a difference. It's the same thing when you're budget. When you start budgeting and you'd be like, I want to go out. Can't go out. Brunch is not my name. I don't think I can do that. <laughs> Anything you track will reveal to you the truth. And he says, if you started tracking my sins, who could have a chance? So what the Bible is saying is, God forbid he start tracking my behavior. Not, 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 I'm not just talking about the quiet things that no one saw. I'm talking about the things even in your mind. Because some of y'all are thugs in your brain. Just rough riders. Just assaulting people in your mind. We're hoping that our sins will vanish. We're hoping that our sins will disappear. But this is why he says in the next verse, but you there is forgiveness. In many ways, we are hoping that our feelings of sadness about our sins, in many ways, our apologies for our sins, will take away the record. But God is holy. And because God is holy, that means that God is not like you and I. His ways are not our ways. This is why we can trust him and look to him because his, he's so beautiful in his holiness, he can be depended on. But in the same way, because his so, he's so morally pure and upright, he also cannot look away from sin and pretend it's not there. Something's got to be done about it. And if you want an intimate relationship with Jesus, I mean a deep relationship with Jesus, then we've got to deal with the problem of sin. And so here today on this Resurrection Sunday, we're able to see how does, how does Jesus deal with the problem of forgiveness and how can we become forgiving people ourselves? In Matthew 26, verses 26 through 28, this is right before Jesus was about to be killed. And he does something amazing. And, and some of you in your own lives have experienced this. It's called communion, we call it. And it was during the Last Supper in verse 26. He says they were eating. Jesus took bread. He blesses it. He broke it. And he gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink, all, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for what? The forgiveness of sins. He says that's the whole point. And he does this symbolic picture of taking wine and saying, now you drink it. And when you drink it, you will remember that your sins are forgiven. That the whole point of communion and drinking wine as a symbol of blood is for you to know that his blood, his death, now pays for your sins. That on the cross, he says, it is finished. And in the Greek, it means tetelestai. That means it's paid for. He says, that's the whole point. It was that I would die for your sins. So forgiving 
And becoming a forgiving person begins with you receiving the forgiveness of God. And so many times when we think about our relationship with God, we're not thinking of forgiveness first as the means of intimacy because we're just presuming that he's overlooking an offense. At the same time, some of you that have hurt people or made mistakes, you beat yourself up all day. You, you think about your mistakes, and, and, and there's, there's something inside of you that makes you feel better when you hurt yourself mentally. I'm so stupid. I'm so bad. I mean, somehow you think that's going to help you be a better person. But what you're trying to do is pay for your sins. Because you're like, I did wrong and something has got to come from it. And so you're trying to condemn yourself. You're trying to crucify yourself. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. And, there's, and I want to I change something. In our vernacular, our culture vernacular, when we feel bad about our past, we often say, I need to forgive myself. But I want you to know what you really are asking is for someone who has a higher standard to forgive you. The key is not to forgive yourself. The key is to receive the forgiveness of God. You can, you can, you can forgive yourself all day, but you'll be back the same place the next year because forgiving yourself does not have the kind of power when Jesus forgives you. Because when the authority forgives you, it's something powerful about receiving his forgiveness. So when you look on the cross, you see he is dying for me. And there are days when you are ashamed of your behavior. You don't even got to tell me about it. I know about it. You're just like, oh, I am a mess. And what do you do? Do you corrupt yourself, kill yourself, be mad at yourself, take your own life? Or you can look for a life that was taken for you. That, that's, the, that's the gospel. And so the gospel, the reason why some of you, when we make a call today to accept Jesus, some of you have been living in church and going to church, but some of you have truly never received the gospel. Here's what the gospel essentially says. It's God saying, I'm more offended than you know, but I'll pay more than you can give. <laughs> That's the gospel. That's the gospel. You, isn't that true? There are people that have hurt you and you're more offended than they know, but you can't pay for it. That's why it hurts you and you think about it, but God can pay for it and he pays for it with his blood. And so Jesus, after this moment, after this moment where he's in the upper room and he says, this is my body, this blood is for you. He's then arrested. And he's then crucified. And the Bible says that there were trials and he was scourged. His body was ripped open. And then in verse 32 of Luke 23, it says two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, they were crucified. They crucified him. And the criminals, one to his right and one to the left. And after all the trials, and after all the scourging, and after the nails crushed in his head, that was bad enough. But to be counted with the transgressors, to be up there with people that have done wrong, knowing you've not done wrong, 
If I had the chance on the cross, I'd cry out for justice. And if I had the chance on the cross, I would be enraged with my executioners. But Jesus doesn't do that. Like, even if you don't believe Jesus is real, think about this real story. That even while his executioners are killing him, this is what he says. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Even if you don't believe in the supernatural, that's a supernatural statement. That you would, you would trade compassion for rage? That you'd bless the people, not thinking that some of y'all ready to knock out people that are mad at you. He's loving people that are killing him. Killing him. And so I think there are several implications of this statement. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The first thing is, Jesus, listen, Jesus forgave them while they were killing him. That means that he wasn't waiting for changed behavior. Because if it was for me, I'm like, all right, after I get off this cross, it's going to be on and we're going to... The, the resurrection comeback is like revenge. <laughs> but here's the other thing that Jesus teaches us in the second part of that. Jesus was able to forgive not only because he was God and supernatural, but he was able to think about the story of his executioners. He was thinking about them and he saw beyond their faults and looked at the depth of their needs. In many ways, he thought to himself, my oppressors are oppressing me, but my oppressors are oppressed themselves. Because they are living in, they're living with strings on them because there's something pulling on them. They don't even know what they're doing. You know you've made mistakes. You know you have made statements. You know you have hurt people, and you know what you've wished? People knew the full story. You know you've been in situations, you're like, man, I wish y'all could understand, try to hear what I'm trying to say. And especially in a social media-saturated world, where we only get part of the story, but we give full rage, we wish people would consider part of our story. And secretly, you wish you were more like that towards people. You wish you were kinder. You wish you were more loving. You wish you were more forgiving. The way to experience that kindness, that love, that forgiveness flowing from you, it must be first received by you. That you must first receive the forgiveness and the love of God. After this story, after this wonderful story, Jesus is taken. His body is dead. And for three days, he's laid up in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose again with all power. And the reason why Resurrection Sunday is so powerful for you and I is because it is not just a historical moment of a man beating death. 
It is a historical moment, but it is also a supernatural moment in our lives because he not only pays for our sin, he also distributes power to people so they might live new lives. So now you must first receive the forgiveness of God and through the power of God, you then become a forgiving person and you release people from the debt that they owe you because some of you are nursing wounds for decades. Some of you are nursing grudges for decades and you are imprisoned by them. And Jesus offers you freedom, freedom, freedom from imprisoning people in your emotions and your feelings. You wish you were free from those feelings, but you must be first set free from your sin. You must receive the forgiveness of God and the power of God is unleashed in your life. There was a woman years ago, her name is Miss Singleton, and she was coming home with her family here in Brooklyn, and while coming home, a few people came in, a few gentlemen came in to rob her and her family. When they come in to rob her and her family, they have guns out. It's a horrible moment in their lives. They are traumatized and they are triggered and there's all these things they have to work through. Well, then eventually, one of the young men that busted into her home eventually ends up going to prison. While they take him to prison, the police end up assaulting him, brutalizing him, hurting him. Well, one day, the daughter of that woman, Miss Singleton, her daughter was in a divinity class, getting her Master's of Divinity. And she was looking for churches to just learn from. So she Googles churches, and she Googles this church called Bridge Church. She comes to church with her mom. And as she's sitting in the audience, a young lady named Lourdes Branch is invited up by Pastor Rasul. We were going through a series on injustice, and Lourdes got up there and began to talk about how her brother had been brutalized by the police, and how he had made a mistake, how his father wasn't in his life and how she wishes that he had more of a chance and he was in prison and she began to cry about the pain of seeing her brother brutalized and taken from her at such a young age. And there out in the crowd was Miss Singleton, the woman that Lord S's brother had busted in the home of. The woman is sitting back there and she, she leans over to her daughter and go, I think she's talking about me. <laughs> Lord S would come off stage. Miss Singleton walks up to Lord S and says, hey, is your brother's name Olden Branch? She says, yes, it is. She goes, I think I'm the person that you were talking about. She goes, excuse me? She goes, your brother robbed me. 
And then she said, but I want you to know, I forgive him. And Lord S said, something washed over me because I felt free, because I always felt bad for the things that my brother had done. But I want you to know Miss Singleton wasn't offering forgiveness to be kind. Miss Singleton was offering forgiveness because she had been forgiven for all her sins. Miss Singleton knew Jesus personally, and that's why she was able to forgive. But the story goes deeper because Lordess was a young girl that saw her brother brutalized by the police. And then Lordess said, I know that I'm in the process of forgiving the police for brutalizing my brother. And with that, you see the power of forgiveness releasing people because it stays over their heads. And I want you to know that some of you feel that way. You feel like you got a relationship with God, but there's something over your head. You feel like you pray, but there's something over your head. And it's because you're not certain. And forgiveness says, I accept the penalty and I accept the death of Jesus Christ for my sin. And it sets you free from wondering about a relationship with God. But then it frees you to release people because you got people in the prison of your mind. I mean, there's people like, let me out, please, for years. And you don't let them out. And so you don't make payments on the offense. You take payments from the offense. You keep them, and you're tired of living that way. But it's hard to do when you don't experience the power of God. That's why in the imagery of forgiveness, the word that it's rooted in is the word give. Forgive but you cannot give what you have not received. You must receive the forgiveness of God and then people will be set free in your life and there will be friends you're able to set free and you'll be able to become a new person. And so I wanna invite you today to one, receive the forgiveness of God, but then two, I wanna invite you back next Sunday. I want some of you to come forward but I also want you to come back and I want you to continue to receive the forgiveness of God on a weekly basis. That's why communion is done all the time because we need to be reminded that we are forgiven. I wonder if you would stand with me. Jesus, we thank you for the wonder of the cross. We thank you for the beauty of the cross. Right now, audience, can we just give a hand praise for the Lord for what he's done? We hope today's message was encouraging to you. We would love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. If this message was impactful to you today, please send us an email, info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Our handles on our social media platforms is Bridge Church NYC. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you are in the New York City area, we would love to see you on a Sunday. Our services on Sundays are at 11 a.m. and the address is 345 Adams Street in downtown Brooklyn. Thanks for listening to our podcast today and we hope to see you soon.